So depending on any given cycle in the business and where they're at in terms of investments in their own efforts, it could look not profitable at all. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Jealous Beans, hello there. We are back with the e-commerce leader, another deep dive into a topic for e-commerce leaders. So today I suggested to Jason, we should be talking about how you buy an e-commerce business because some of my clients have been busy doing that recently. And I know that Jason, you've done that in the past and it turns out you have a secret plan to teach people how to do this anyway. So I picked the right topic. So great topic. I like it a lot. Yeah, absolutely right. Me too. It's top of mind for us because I'm working on a new webinar training. It won't be an ebook, I don't think, or a book, but who knows? It might get there. But I'm really fascinated by this topic, personally involved in purchasing brands and businesses a lot. In fact, I was just on, we're recording this on Tuesday. On Sunday, I was talking to some folks about buying a business and where they were at in the process of selling and all that. So this is near and dear to my heart like it a lot. What The reason it's come up for me is because one of the mastermind members recently got approached, I think it's earlier in this sort of economic cycle than I was expecting, actually got approached by one of his competitors and former competitors who's going out of business and wanted to know if he would buy either the business or some assets in the business. And he's gone ahead and bought some assets and that comes with its challenges as, as you put up a great opportunity. And it just strikes me that's only going to become more of an opportunity for those of us who can stay in business and have enough surplus cash to be able to buy assets. Whether you try and integrate them into your own business is one question. And then whether you're going to have, run them as separate businesses. But definitely, I think an opportunity whose time has come because of the economic situation and one thing that struck me the other day is that really for a really strong business now is actually a golden opportunity it's not a bad time it's a really great time but obviously you got to be in a position to do it in the first place so tell me about the basics of this you've done this multiple times what is the first sort of even starting point for this yeah i think the starting point is the idea of it and once you get the (laughs) idea dominoes start to fall let me just take a minute and talk about rationale or sort of the use case for, or the case for buying a Shopify or e-commerce business rather than starting one from scratch. Because I think that's an important place to to start mentally is just why would you do this? And I think we could probably brainstorm together a really solid list. I'll mention two or three things. And so that might be helpful in terms of getting people's orientation toward this topic. So the first reason I would say it's a great opportunity to buy an existing business is because when you do that, you leapfrog over 
the biggest question in business formation, which is, do you have a sellable product? And when you can leapfrog over that question, you literally are short-circuiting years of hard work. If you buy a business that's got ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month in sales, or who cares? It could even be less than that. It could be more than that. But what you're buying is a system where people like what that person has been selling. And and that is the number one thing in my mind. Another reason why it's super valuable to buy an existing business is because you can start you can buy an existing business with seller financing frequently. And you can also buy an existing business with loan products, but frequently the uh, the seller especially if they're in dire straits, they're wanting to retire or they're just exhausted. Maybe they have health issues. They just want out. They want to be done. You have, as you present to them, the idea of buying their business, a real solution for them. And I I think this is where a lot of us might not appreciate the circumstances sellers can be in, where they're desperate to see this baby that they created live on past them. And frequently they're scrambling and they're more, most commonly it's not, oh, I've got nine buyers who want to buy my business. Most commonly it's more, I'm going to find a a buyer or I'm going to shutter this thing and it'll just go to zero. I'll have no value from it. And those sellers are frequently very willing to pass the baton in a logical way, be a part of it for a while, let make payments to them. They'll be generous with terms those kinds of opportunities, pretty amazing. And you don't get that in the same way when you're buying other assets. Go try to buy a bar of gold. Nobody's going to cut you that kind of deal. Go try to buy a piece of real estate. No one's going to cut you that deal. So the reason I like it is because you do have flexible sellers on the other side of the equation frequently, not always, but frequently. And I'll just make one one third observation. And that's that your opportunity to scale up is only going to come in one of two ways. You either sell more of what you're selling if you're already in business or you find something new to sell. And so if you have something already going, and this is the case for what Cinnamon and I've done, we've purchased 13 different brands. It's either 13 or 14. I think I was doing my 14th deal and it didn't happen, but 13. And But that's what our approach has been is that we have something going, but we're buying brands to bolt on. And that gives us new access to products to sell. And it's in all in the same niche. So it's to our existing community. So those are just three reasons, Michael. I don't know what your thoughts are, if you have other thoughts that pop in. But I think that's an important first consideration is just like, why would you do this? Yeah, very good question, because there's always work and effort and risk in anything. Uh, yeah. It's got to be worth it. I think, yeah, those are fantastic reasons. A couple of things that spring to mind, augment your points, if you like. First of all, there's a book called Buy Then Build written by a book called Walker Dybel, an American guy who runs, is, sorry, not runs, but it's part of Quiet Life Brokerage. So they help a lot of businesses, business owners sell their businesses. And so he's seen both sides, or lots of sides of the equation. And yeah, he more or less says the same things that you do, that you've got a ready-made, proven thesis for the product. Do people buy this stuff? Yes. Okay. So that's been answered and that's really critical. So it's de-risking. Mm-hmm. And the point he makes, which is not a, a reason to do it so much as a way of looking at it, is you still need to have entrepreneurial skills. There's almost this weird yeah. puritanism that I find amongst Amazon sellers that you have to build your own business and you have to be selling physical products uh, or you're not a real e-commerce entrepreneur, which is just silly, <laughs> but it somehow is out there. So I just want to burst that bubble and say that building an existing business still requires entrepreneurship as you know, cinnamon of doubt yeah, yeah. that is discovered one other person to mention just in case it's a useful resource to people then i've got a question for you about that that 
reality question is exit financing does exist obviously you've got lots of options one person that i spoke to recently that might be relevant to listeners is steven spear of ecommercelending.com and we'll put the link to the interview i did with him in the show notes in case that's of interest to somebody but there are many deals available the only thing i'd say before i ask you the question is really the distressed sellers thing just to augment that as well you can get some incredible deals for example i was speaking to um remember the mastermind who's going through and i can't speak about much for confidentiality reasons in detail but he did say look we're buying assets that i know the commercial value of is about two hundred fifty thousand dollars for about twenty five thousand. it's hard to de-risk more than that because they're the only people that were approached for this deal and as you said there isn't a big pool of buyers buyers they're competing with and that's not untypical if it's very specialist equipment or specialist ability. There is a very limited pool of people who'd be interested in that for whom that has any more than scrap value. Or so yeah. a very good point. So yeah. really that brings me to the next question then, Jason. So you've done this 13 times. Unlucky 13. <laughs> the fourth seats one fell out of bed. Um, superstition aside, what are the realities of the challenges around doing that? Because I guess it sounds like a big, complicated thing to do. There's multiple layers of it, I guess you could say. The challenges, what are the challenges? The challenges are it's a relational activity. So you have to have a, a rational actor on the other side of the table. You also have to be a rational actor. <laughs> and uh, so sometimes your own idiocy gets in the way. But that's the main thing of it is it's a negotiation and it's a conversation and they're going to have desires and needs and wants on their side of the conversation and you're going to have desires, needs and wants and you've got to come to some middle ground that seems super fair. The deal that you just described in your in your mastermind where somebody has assets they're buying out of somebody else's business or the whole thing for uh, 10 cents on the dollar basically is effectively way, the way to look at that. To your point, makes that a really low risk proposition. The uh, the thing that I would just say about it in general is you want to have a circle of competency as I guess Warren Buffett describes or whoever it might be, the gurus of old talked about the circle of competency and you want to operate inside that circle and you want your acquisitions to be from within that circle. You, to step outside of your area of understanding and expertise is the first classic mistake. If you've never worked at a restaurant and you've never uh, flipped a hamburger, uh, then buying a, a local restaurant and thinking that would be fun to run is a recipe for massive disaster. You just want to stick to your knitting, as they say. And so I, I think that's the primary consideration. But there's a whole checklist of considerations as you think about what business opportunities exist and whether it's a good opportunity or not for you. That's a whole different line of thinking on this topic. But I think those are the main things. It's relational, and you really want to stick to your core circle of competency is some top of mind concerns. And then it goes from there. Excellent. So you said there's a checklist. I guess that kind of is a tempting sounding thing. Is this going to be the sort of basis of your webinar that you mentioned since you mentioned a checklist? Yeah, I'm happy to talk through some of the ideas, but it's just we on this podcast, we don't have time to really do deep dive like we can on a webinar, share examples and stuff. But the checklist it, it includes things related to, first of all, whether it's a viable business, this is it a functional thing, the, and there's ways to determine that. The second thing is a good thing for you. Are you the right steward of the system? And then the third thing is, what's the appropriate valuation? And the valuation piece is what most people just immediately glob onto. Like, wh how much is it? How much do you want, to want for your business? That's not really the first consideration, but it's important. And a lot of people get hung up on this, both on the seller side and the buyer side, because sometimes these businesses have been run not for profitability, 
They've been run for growth or scale. Sometimes they've been what you might call run into unprofitable strategies by their prior owner. If, and we all know this as business owners, there's years where you can burn your profit down to zero if you're investing in equipment or facilities or staffing. So depending on any given cycle in the business and where they're at in terms of investments in their own efforts, it could look not profitable at all or negative profitability, like they're losing money. That doesn't mean it's not a business that doesn't have intrinsic value. And that's a serious set of considerations is like, how do you value it? And the harmonious position is when you as a buyer are in the same ballpark as a seller. You, you've got to just be on, in general on the same ballpark. Many e-commerce sites that are just up and running and Amazon sellers, that kind of thing, have a common valuation these days of two to four times annualized net profit. And maybe one time sales is another way to think about it. Those are real, real back of the envelope ideas, but they give you a flavor for what might be appropriate if you're thinking about selling, but they don't take into account a lot of things. And so you've got to work through the detail. So all that to say, those are three things to think about. Is it a going concern? Is it appropriate for you? And what's the appropriate value that you would pay for it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those seems like excellent questions. And how did you and Cinnamon go around answering those questions? Have you used business brokers at all? Have you always just uh, approached people directly? What's the sort of practicalities of starting that process? Yeah, for us, it's been a couple different paths. We have done a business where we were contacted and somebody just said, hey, I've got this thing. We've also done deals where we knew the businesses because in essence, we were partners with the people. And so that's been our more common path where we're, we actually know the value of their products and, and the details of their business. And so it's a low risk proposition for us. And it's an easier situation of value the business. And of course, it was in our wheelhouse. So the other there, but there are different ways. There are tons of websites you can peruse these days to find businesses that are uh, available for sale. I, I would say this, though, that uh, this is a really sloppy area of capitalism, the small business selling, buying situation, because many sellers who are retirement age have built good businesses. Maybe they got into e-commerce 10 years ago and maybe it was never their main thing. Maybe they were just mainly wholesale or they had their own local distribution or retail or whatever, and they have good products. They have good customer base, but they don't know how to market a business to sell it. They don't know how to put it onto Empire Flippers or Flippa or one of the multitudes of marketplaces online where you can find businesses for sale. And so they just don't know how to, they don't know how to find the buyer for their business. So, you know, you got to scrounge around looking on Craigslist is one way to do it, but that's so regional. You have to look at in the U.S., you'd have to look at a 400 regionalized Craigslist marketplaces to try to find businesses that are, are for sale. I was just looking yesterday for businesses for sale and saw a couple in our area. And my first question was like, are these reasonable to buy for us? And the answer was no, but I saw them. And it was on Craigslist. So anyway, that, that's uh, just a, back to the top of the topic. Another reason why this is such a valuable opportunity is because there's just this fractured, scattered way these people are trying to dispose of these businesses. Interesting. It reminds me more and more of, of something which is possibly more a familiar business model, if not experience for people, which is buying distressed real estate, which I guess has a bad reputation. It's a different situation, I think, in that 
real estate has a fairly standardish market price. People can live in it, depending on what it is at an office complex or whatever. Whereas, as you say, the very specialist nature of businesses means that there's a less of a liquid market. It's less obvious. But that does mean, I think, that you have more opportunity to find incredible value. I've seen the deals that have crossed my path, as it were, not for me personally to buy them. Although I wouldn't be surprised if somebody starts emailing me to, about that because it's the sort of thing that goes in waves. So we had massive waves of aggregators getting in touch every five weeks to buy businesses and find them with a recession. I think that there could be a lot of opportunity going on out there now. Yeah, I'll just say if you're thinking about this for the first time and you're like, well, I know about real estate. I know, I know how to buy and sell real estate. Obviously, the other componentry of businesses is that they can go to absolute zero. And if you're buying real estate and you're like, this is I'm buying it from a tax lien or some kind of scheme of getting it really cheap, you're like, there's an intrinsic value to the dirt, even if there's nothing on top of that, the land, and you've got a value for it that's like an absolute floor that's still some positive number, whereas businesses can go to zero. Or, and so that's the real risk of it is you might have a business that's making 100 grand a year net profit. That doesn't mean you can get a hundred grand a year net profit out of that business, or maybe you can get a million out of it. But that's the fun of it is you do to your original point, have to have some entrepreneurial chops and, uh, and thinking to, to bring to the party. Let me try that again. Last question, which I guess is a tip of an iceberg and a teaser because you can only, as you say, I can see why you're doing a webinar on this topic. So a lot to unpack. What would you say are the main challenges that once you actually own the business in integrating it into your own business assuming let's assume that you're working on that basis and what are the main sort of ways to start to solve that yeah i think the first thing is understanding the assets under your management and ensuring that they're all locked up for you these businesses e-commerce businesses or digital publishers or even school businesses that have a kind of brick and mortar presence that have started to sell online they have a lot of fractured assets you got intellectual property stuff like the brand itself, the trademarks, you've got email lists, you've got social media accounts, you've got the core e-commerce site, if Shopify or whatever. So you've got all these bits and bobs and pieces laying around and you just need to thoroughly have a checklist to say, what am I buying? Is it in the purchase contract? And which is a whole different topic, but then how do I manage those? If you've never, for example, had a a domain name registered under one-to-one.com or Namecheap or whatever. And you're like, I don't even know what that system is, but this is where their domain registrar exists. So you have to navigate stuff like that. And I think that's the most important thing is just to make sure that you get all the value. You don't leave any assets behind in the transition. Oh, dang it. We never got that Instagram account that had 46,000 followers or whatever. And so those are the mechanics of the transition. And then beyond that, the question is, do you have a use case or I guess you say business strategy for how you're going to scale this thing going forward, scale it up and stabilize the sales and then grow them. And that takes foresight and thinking and energy. And uh, so those are the components. I, if it's a larger business, obviously you've got team members involved. And um, we've done that where we bought businesses where we're inheriting a team. And when you do that, you've got obviously all the social and team oriented dynamics of being a new team leader for new people who don't know or trust you. And you have to build rapport and all that. You can tell, again, while I'm doing the webinar on this, it should be a proper book as well. There's so many components of it that uh, it is a fun topic to dive into. And But there's a whole universe of opportunity here that really is exciting. And I would just challenge people to dig into this is the opportunity of our lifetime, at least in the U.S. I don't know how it is in, in Britain, but in the United States, the baby boomers are rapidly retiring. And there are so many of them that were entrepreneurial, had good businesses 
they, they've sold on to somebody or they've shuttered it or they have assets laying around. They still own it, but it's wound down. There's all states of condition these businesses exist in and somebody is going to be buying those businesses and running them going forward. And it certainly could be us, you know. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I would say the other opportunity in the UK is we've got similar demographics. In fact, I guess people are retiring at probably greater rate overall than in the US. But also, I think the recession's already hitting harder and probably going to hit harder here, which is bad news for those who own existing businesses that aren't well-structured. But if you have a well-structured business, I mean, like the mastermind member didn't even do any work looking at Craigslist and so has reached out to buy a former competitor because he knew to your point that they have such specialist assets that hardly anyone mm-hmm. in the world can make use of them except this guy and I, I think there will be many such deals available in the uk providing you can keep your own business afloat and i think that's the key if you can survive the recession then on the other side of it the acquisition opportunities or even during it if it's mindful and right for you are absolutely massive so i'm really glad we've touched on this topic i guess the obvious call to action today is going to be how do people get hold of this webinar we've talked about because even i didn't know about this Sounds exciting. Yeah, we're going to be doing it at the end of this month. It's part of our Shopify bootcamp. I will, it, the webinar name is I will teach you to buy an e-commerce website. And I'm doing another one that is I will teach you to sell an e-commerce website. And those are two of the webinars that will be a part of the Shopify bootcamp. So we're recording this in October 2022, and it'll be later in this month. So get on our newsletter list or follow us at omnirocket.com there or on like our socials. And you'll hear about it, get on our list, basically, and you'll hear about it for sure. And uh, and then after, if you're listening to this in the future, just Google around for I will teach you to buy a Shopify site or I will teach you to sell a Shopify site. And I would assume that you'll find it because I, I, I've already looked and I'm the only one doing this topic and this content idea. So for now. Okay. I will teach you to be. That sounds familiar. I'm not going to name the person who I think uh, has used that a lot. I'm trying to not name him in case his lawyers are scanning the internet. I don't think he can own I will teach you, but maybe he can. We'll find out in a few months. We'll talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely right. Yeah. Ramit says he got in touch and here's what he had to say. But anyway, assuming (laughs) that doesn't happen, this has been a great topic and a sort of a little taster for what is a huge opportunity. And I I honestly, I think it's not discussed enough. A lot of people Mm -hmm. have said, with selling their businesses but yeah buying businesses i've had one conversation about it in about seven years of podcasting so it's not enough so yeah bang that drum and i will certainly be very interested to tuning myself as well but great topic man thank you so much for sharing your insights which are going you're gaining all the time with all these deals and the only other thing to say is if you don't check that out if you find this helpful then don't forget to subscribe on spotify or apple to the e-commerce leader wherever you listen that was the e-commerce leader podcast with michael vesey in london england and jason miles in seattle washington if you liked this content don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources including pdfs and videos on topics like traffic products and sales channels just go to www.theecommerceleader.com no hyphens just as it sounds thanks so much for listening